0: What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Miss Erin M. Riley. She's a Philadelphia-based artist um, working in a very unique medium in comparison to, uh, I guess, her contemporaries. Um, She is a weaver by trade uh, and is working doing hand-woven tapestries on a loom. Um, but she's using very new imagery and using the technique to create fine art pieces as opposed to objects themselves. Uh, Whereas we might consider, like for instance, I talk about a guitar strap that my friend's wife made for me on a loom. So we look at, sort of objects a little bit differently than we perceive fine art. So she's, she's making these really cool images that uh, I think are questioning a lot of modern society. And at the same time, making this really interesting dichotomy of showing very new imagery using a, you know, as far back, I think as like 1400, there's records of a loom being used for making tapestries and, and woven things. Um, it's really cool. I think that there's we talk about the idea that she could theoretically live inside of her work if she needed to, you know, making blankets or a jacket or what have you. So um, it was rad to have her on the show. We talked middle names, weaving, dog wool, patience, face to face interactions, Venus versus Mars, Puritanism, uh, selfie sites, Kathy Grayson, discomfort and aggressive penises. Um, We we cover a lot of interesting topics that I don't think men and women talk to each other about too often, so um, I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, As always, make sure you go check out MikeMaxwellArt.com. You can click on the podcast over there. You'll find an iTunes link or whatever. There's PayPal links if you want to donate some, some cake to the show. We haven't had any sponsors on the show in a minute, if there's some people who run cool, small businesses um, that listen to the show that would like to get some advertising out there and, and help support the show, um, you can contact me. If you go to mikemaxuar.com, click on the contact link, you'll get my email over there. Uh, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at LiveFreePodcast. Um, and also on Facebook, you'll, you'll find the podcast over there as well. And I try to post links whenever... People who have been on the show have uh, events or art shows or, like, post a cool painting. I'll try to post the links or, or show the image over there on the podcast thing. So uh, go like that. That's one of the like pages. Um, you could follow me at Mike Maxwell Art on all the social medias, Instagrams, Twitters. Um, and you can find me on the Facebook as well. Make sure you go follow Erin uh, Riley. You could find her on Instagram and Twitter at Erin M. Riley. So it's E-R-I-N-M-R-I-L-E-Y. Follow her. She You could see all of her work over there. Um, and that's also her website. So just add a .com to that jam. And uh, you can check out all the cool shit she's got going on um and so i think that is it so oh also big ups to producer lex if you don't uh, almost didn't add lex it's so fucking lame uh producer lex is now on board recording episodes of the podcast for me so that i don't have to deal with the recording issues during interviews and i can just focus on interviews which makes it um that much easier he's uh super dope and he's gonna make all the shows sound way better uh, so follow him at Producer Lex on Twitter, and I think that's his Instagram, I don't have it in front of me, but if you just look up Producer Lex and, and you'll find him. So yeah, with all that said, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Miss Aaron and Riley. Right, are you recording? Fuck yeah. Let's give Aaron a call. Miss Erin Riley.
1: Hello. Miss Erin
0: M. Riley. I really like that you use your entire, like you use your middle initial as well.
1: Yes. I've been doing that since I was younger, so.
0: We don't see that from women very often, right? Is it, I'm trying to think, do we, like, I know like a lot of actors will use their middle name, like Michael J. Fox or middle Mm -hmm. initial. Uh, I'm trying to think of some like some women actors or I can't think of any that use it. Can you?
1: Yeah, I mean, no, I can only think of, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who uses all three, but um, I never did as, like, high school, but I decided to do that in college, and then I just found a lot of my stuff from when I was a kid, and it all said Aaron M. Riley on it, so it's just what I always did, I guess.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know what, we are getting a little bit of the double, but I think sometimes Skype will fix itself it'll recognize that it's making mistakes and fix them okay i've been dying to use my uh my full name as my artist name because it's my full name is michael james maxwell and it just sounds so much more artisty than exactly yes (laughs) just some dude named mike maxwell (laughs) so right out the gate i want to thank you for uh for taking the time to to talk with me um it's nice to get some feminine energy on the show like i really make a an effort to get both men and women artists on the show and yeah. it's surprisingly difficult like it tends to be like seven to one
1: okay to, to that, that you can find artists or
0: well then we'll do it Oh okay <laughs> you know because uh, i mean not that like artists in general seem to be awfully weary of of uh talking like i think yes. we're so used to working in a visual medium that actually mm-hmm. using the verbal medium tends to be kind of difficult and i find a lot of people don't even really want to talk about what they make which is which seems weird to me or maybe they don't maybe they're just uncomfortable doing it you know
1: yeah yeah and you never know what someone's gonna ask live so it's a little bit sure i know that's everybody
0: everybody likes the little organized email interview style so so again thank you for taking the time let's um let's jump back to um did you you're you're in philly did you grow up in in philly do Do people in philadelphia hate when you call it philly
1: no okay good i don't not that i know of no
0: so you grew up in, in Massachusetts? I grew
1: up in Massachusetts um, on Cape Cod, and I went to college in Boston. <clears throat> and then I came to Philly for grad school um 2007, And was, so I've been here
0: since. Was art your focus through school?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I went to art school, and I went to art MFA, so...
0: Well, um, let's talk about maybe the things that you make real quick. For, I, I feel like I just learned about your work the last couple years, maybe. Um, you you utilize a technique that's very different from uh, most other artists that are working now. I, uh, How would you describe your work to somebody who maybe hadn't seen it before?
1: I've been trying to shy away from just jumping in and saying I'm a tapestry weaver.
0: I know. That's, um, I didn't try to like yeah, pigeonhole you there. I wanted to make you do it.
1: It gives people such, like, they think I make sort of things, like objects. And um, so, you know, I make um, images with wool, um, sort of like weaving. I use weaving in my work and um, dyeing the yarn and all sorts of traditional techniques.
0: But That's um, something I find very interesting that I think I wanted to talk to you about. Um, Like the use of a very... traditional and old technique Mm -hmm. uh an old medium but utilizing a very new sort of um subject matter like a lot of there's a lot of uh nudity there's a lot of like uh girls taking pictures of themselves which is the now known as the modern day selfie i guess yeah which i people have been posting that that got put in the dictionary recently Oh gosh! <laughs> I don't know if it really did if people were just like being like making a joke or not, but I hope not so I find that that dichotomy very interesting to to utilize imagery that's very modern while at the same time using a method that's you know i guess hundreds and hundreds of years old do you know do you know the history of of loom work is that um... a, is that the word the the tool is the loom? The
1: tool is a loom. It's a weaving is the, is the verb, I guess. But um, I do remember that my teachers always told me it was one of the oldest forms of fiber art that was found was weaving. But I don't know if that's just them, you know, continuing their field. But, yeah. um, you know, it's been around forever. It's, you know, people all over the world use it for all sorts of things. And... Um, my loom, I mean, looms have been made in the United States for a while, and they're getting a lot smaller for artists. Um, they used to be massive. There used to be massive looms all over the place, but they burned or like used them as firewood for so many years. Oh, wow. And now they're just sort of like these old, smaller ones that colleges mostly have. So
0: I um I first became aware of the loom. I have a um A hand woven or a loom woven uh, guitar strap that uh, my buddy's wife made for me. You know, like Mm -hmm. specifically designed for me, and she actually had made the loom herself. So Mm -hmm. when I saw the process happening, I was like, I I became much more enthralled with the object that she made by seeing the process Mm -hmm. because it's very strange, and I feel like it may be something that, from my perspective point of view it seems like something that would be dying out like it's a craft that maybe in my circle of people that I know aren't practicing you know
1: yeah yeah I mean there's a lot I do know that like when I was leaving for grad school in 2009 my college was having one of the largest incoming classes of fiber people so I do think it is like like a department that's growing but it is something that takes forever, and you need a lot of patience. So the people who are really down for that, I don't know. It's, like, hard to – and it's, you know, with graphic design or any of the sort of, like, design things, you might get a job. But with weaving, there's no job, so.
0: But at the on the other side of that coin, <laughs> if, like, shit hits the fan, you could possibly make yourself <laughs> right. some blankets.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I always said, cold. you know, like, I can live in my work – If it if it ever gets real bad, I can just live in my stuff.
0: So yeah, and that's not something a lot of people can say. You know, I (laughs) feel like I I paint on wood all the time, so I also build the panels that I paint on. Uh So I mean, I could build a box. I don't. I could probably build a big enough box to crawl inside of if I had to. Yeah, (laughs) but not quite the same thing. I mean, you could make a coat if you needed to. Yeah, and that's something in modern day United States, we're so far separated from manufacturing now like nobody makes anything with their hands it seems like all everything is like a market that has something to do with advertising whereas yeah. i was just actually talking about this like the difference between designers and artists like mm-hmm. that although you could be both of those things there seems yeah. to be a very fine line in between them where i, I and i was talking about like digital art and how designers tend to be more likely to be lean towards graphic design work and mm-hmm. you know it could j- be equally considered art whereas the artist types are more likely to lean towards something handmade like there's mm-hmm. some t- there's almost an attachment to the tool do you find that yeah. at all do you feel like your loom is like a part of you to some extent
1: yeah for sure i mean i've been weaving pretty much every day or been around my loom pretty much every day for the past four years and you know at least every other day for the past you know for the following six so it is and I've met other weavers who just feel like this connection to the making and to the sitting and you know taking the time so it's interesting yeah,
0: watching the process because Mm -hmm. as your feet move with the pedals you also get a sense that like uh, the reason I asked that question is like it's almost like as you move the machine moves with you Mm -hmm. and it it almost seems like a connection maybe like similar to somebody who plays a piano
1: yeah Yeah. I mean it definitely moves with you and um there's just this progress of Um, the noises too, like there's, I've been in rooms with many looms and they all tend to talk, you know, like they all have their
0: different,
1: their different sounds. So that's cool.
0: And they pick up rhythms, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. As as fast as you're going. Yeah.
0: It almost seems like it has kind of like a heartbeat.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. It's very strange. I mean, I feel, I feel that connection, I guess on some extent to my paintbrush, but it just Mm -hmm. feels like an extension of my hand. Where it feels, it seems like watching somebody on a large loom, it's like your whole body is working.
1: Yeah, it's definitely uh, legs and my back and my arms, it's all at once, so.
0: Do, um, you said you make your own yarns and materials too?
1: I dye the yarn, I don't make it, that's too far along, but, um, yeah, I dye a lot of the wool that I get from, there's so much on eBay now from mills that are going out of business, so I get, like chunks huge pieces of um rug wool and then I just dye it different colors for the pieces I'm making
0: I think it was on vice maybe um but there was like a little mini documentary of a woman who made wool out of dog hair dog fur Uh and cat fur yeah and it was super rad like it the the lay person would never know the difference right yeah I mean again, gets back to that thing of like self-preservation abilities
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Spinning is, is a skill that once you're good at it, it goes pretty fast, but getting good at it is the hard part. So
0: what, uh, in terms of like, just like doing it properly,
1: getting the yarn to be consistent as far as the thickness. And then, um, also making sure that it's strong enough. Um, it oh, doesn't fall. Right. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: so in the process, like watching, how these things are made i've I found a an interesting connection between like old school printers, like you know mm-hmm. when like printers first came out, they do like one row at a time, then another yeah. row at a time. I find that like that seems for me as a painter that seems really limiting to be forced to work from bottom up, which is actually kind of like a tattoo thing. I know you 're a, a big yeah. tattoo collector, and tattoo yeah, artists so- also have to work from bottom up. Or they'll wipe their stencil away. Um, yeah. For me, I like to be able to jump from the top right to the left to the bottom, whatever. So do you find that that limited you at first? Or did you find that challenge interesting?
1: Um, it's definitely, like, you have to commit. Like, once you start something, you have to be ready. Um, and you have to be, like, psyched on that image because you're going to be spending the next, like, 80 hours on that picture. Um, uh It's the way I work now, so it's not even, like, I don't even, I also don't even look at my stuff until the whole warp has been used up. So, like, I roll them all on top of each other, and then I look at them, like, six months later, um, all on the ground. But, yeah, I mean, sometimes it would be nice to be able to go back into something and change something or fix the colors, but Mm -hmm. it's just the way it goes now so, so are you
0: are you saying that you you like as you work it through you don't even like it rolls up in itself and you don't see it
1: mm-hmm.
0: dang that's it that seems incredibly <laughs> risky
1: yeah i mean it's like you know if something's disappointing i'd rather just i'd rather see it in a couple months oh
0: and like you, you know <laughs> i i imagine that you're probably it's like uh When I I would get gifts as a kid or, Mm -hmm. you know, like Christmas, I would always have to open shit early because I just couldn't stand to wait for something to happen. Like if I knew something had occurred, (laughs) I would have to like be like why are we waiting like it's funny I still do that like if I buy a gift for somebody I find like it's silly to wait any extra days to give it to them if I already have right. it and I see them it's like here you're here I'm here I have this thing here why are we waiting <laughs> for this specific date are you are you is that an easier process for you it seems like if you're able to wait that long to look at the work that you just slaved over for 80 hours yeah that, that there's well, almost I, like, a, a patience in that that seems it's far totally beyond peaceful.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's also like a um, it's just part of the pro. Like right now, I'll do only two on this warp, but um, sometimes I do six, or it just depends on how many, how long the, the warp is. But yeah, I mean, I I take my time.
0: <laughs> so I would imagine that it's more process for you than finished product.
1: I think it's both. Um, it's definitely like I try not to interrupt the process as long as I can. And then and then I can look at the pieces and really like absorb them all. And I also like um having like f- three or four new pieces to look at and to really like understand rather than just looking at one piece and like nitpicking so much. Yeah. Um,
0: Cuz I guess it, even it doesn't do you any good because you there's not a lot that you you can't go back and yeah. take a line yeah.
1: out. Yeah, exactly. So
0: It's almost like that could it seems I'm not I'm not being judgmental but it almost seems like a uh, like a protective mechanism.
1: Yeah, for sure. And to, like like I don't want to see I don't want to be bothered, you know. It's like um non-confrontational sort of thing.
0: I wonder if you can have a sort of different relationship with it too like after spending such a long time on a piece to like wait <laughs> that 6 months to like really examine it and yeah you know it gives you a time like you don't have maybe the same emotional relationship with yes. it at the time or yes.
1: it's not such a blow you know like taking something like you've worked 14 hours you're done you take it off and then you see it and it's like it should feel so epic but sometimes it just doesn't so um you know waiting sometimes allows you to separate that exhaustion from it and really look at it with a new new perspective so that's
0: a that's a i might try that sometime because that's an interesting yeah. idea because for me if i'm being 100 percent honest a lot of the work mm-hmm. is about being finished with it because like that's where mm-hmm. i get the endorphin rush or like the dopamine right. feeling is like yeah. oh i completed that task this is great and i love this piece for right now and then i yeah. tend to like not care about it as much for a while mm-hmm. But if it goes away for a long time and then I see the work again, I do have a different sort of visual association with it and like an emotional relationship with it that's different from that original just kind of wanting to get high from like completing something. Although the process is also very important to me. But I know that a lot of times it's like I'm chasing that fix.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I think...
0: I, for me, I feel like it's the addictive personality in the, yeah. of the artist trait, which I exhibit quite often. And right.
1: I, yeah, just working all the time.
0: I, I heard you say something. I listened to some of your interviews and you had mentioned something about um, like only knowing people digitally now. Yeah. Like spending so much time in the studio working. Um it's, it's very strange, like, even doing this, like, the way, like, we're still only kind of knowing each other digitally. Do you, <clears throat> do you find, uh, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? Is that okay to ask?
1: I'm 27.
0: Do you find that that's starting to become a burden? Do you feel a burden from that, like, not having the social interactions in the same way that maybe you did 10 years ago?
1: um well I don't think I ever had the social interactions like I was always like a really like loner kid in high school and um you know I can relate a lot of Facebook and MySpace to like yearbooks I definitely like I met you know a lot of the cool kids in the yearbook you know like I never met them in real life so um there's this idea of like always sort of connecting to an image of somebody and like not really ever knowing who they are. Yeah, Um, And I do know that I'm practicing like talking to people in real life (laughs) and like trying to be better at that because that's part of like going to openings and, you know, meeting people and just being a human. So
0: yeah. Do you feel like that's important for as an artist and making an art career?
1: I think it's good, you know, in Philly, I don't have a lot of real time talk with other artists, but I, you know, like I have a lot of friends and when I see them, it's it's a lot more um, satisfying to talk to them in real life than it is to talk to them in text messages. So you find it um, is
0: more satisfying?
1: Oh, yeah, totally. So, you know, it'll be better. I'm going to be living up in New York soon, so it'll be better to see all my artist friends in real life. So. When
0: uh, when are you making that jump?
1: I'll be going up there um, the first of October, so in a couple weeks.
0: Nice. Uh, and yeah. you've been in Philly for a while. You said,
1: yeah, it's been six years, so it's time to get on to New York.
0: Do you feel like that might be like final destination? It's a tough city for a lot of people.
1: It is. I think it's going to be. Um, you know, they always say you need to spend ten years there, or you know, five years there, but. You know, I want to go there and work for a couple of years. I I lived there for two months, um, a couple of years ago, and just make and sort of, but I don't want to end up there forever. You know, it's a little too crazy for me.
0: I saw uh, that you, you're friends with uh, Miss Paquela. Paquela. Yes, I Man- am. And she's out there now, right? Is that right? Yep,
1: she's in Manhattan, yep. Yeah, Miss <clears
0: Ms>. Paquela. <throat> I met her in San Francisco a couple of years ago. She's done the yeah. show too.
1: Oh, cool. yeah, we showed um, together in Boston. My friend owns a skate shop, so I invited her to do this um, show up in their in their gallery space and and I know her from showing in San Francisco a lot so
0: let's um let's talk about some of the imagery that you show um kind of like a hot button topic recently was the the whole miley cyrus v m a thing yeah. and I had made some suggestions that like most of the people that were like angry about it were mostly angry about the over sexualization of <laughs> of her performance, and I find that your work kind of has some conversations maybe about this sort of thing like Mm -hmm. in that it feels like in this modern age and especially with like the imagery that you use there's a bit of like a women's liberation sexually where it's it's more on an equal level with men being able to be i'm going to use the word perverted just in air quotes (laughs) just oh yeah or to be like overly sexual than what is the norm in I guess in everyday society, like in our normal interactions, do you find this is important from uh, a woman's perspective to be able to sort of own sexuality, where it seems like it has been something that's—I th- I feel like we're still in a very um, what's the word I'm looking for, it's like sexually oppressed? Yeah, yeah, to a certain yeah. extent. Just um, not obviously. There's porn, and there's all there's lots of. Um, sexual escapades happening but it's still kind of looked at from a negative perspective or judged
1: yeah maybe i mean just the idea of like like when you hear about girls being assaulted or anything and the first thing we talk about is like what they were wearing or were they drunk or you know should they have been more careful and i think they're you know i had always been of that sort of mindset that women should be always on guard and you know it's their responsibility to keep themselves safe. But it's it's more than that. It's, it's, like, men's responsibility to not be jerks and to, like, not assault women, you know? Well, so.
0: this actually, I think this idea brings up uh, an interesting conversation, which I've actually, producer Lex here on my right, who uh, we've actually had this conversation about... Uh-huh the hand uh the conversations that men and women have with each other sexually so the example that i bring up a lot is and which ties into the imagery that you utilize for your work is women have a capability of exuding a sexuality that men read very well but if you flip the coin uh men have no idea how to exude a sexiness to women you know like it's very stereotypical that a a woman and it's funny like even like the poses that are in some of the like selfie images that you have like the way a woman can like turn her head a certain way or like hold her hair a certain way yeah it it tell it has a conversation with men like in in the the male brain but mm-hmm. when we flip that, I feel like it almost seems as though the male brain doesn't have a conversation with women in the same way. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I think... Not um, that
0: raping women is at all, that, that, that should not happen, and men should...
1: No, never, never should happen. There
0: should be a a, a level of respect, but what I'm saying is, obviously, that I even sound douchey just saying it that way, it's fucking no. retarded. You know what I'm trying to say. Yes, I but, do. <laughs> The conversation is very okay. So, for instance, I feel like when here's from a male perspective, uh, okay. when women dress up now, from what I I perceive now, when women dress up and and make themselves look pretty and and feel good about themselves, one that that becomes what it's the one. It's about feeling good about yourself, yeah. And a lot of times, it seems like women are are interested in impressing other women too, yeah. Like, yes. And then third, maybe it, it's about men, yeah. But for men, it may be reversed from that. They're like, oh, that, that's about me. Like, she's trying yeah. to look good for me. But that's not always the case. But I feel like a lot of men don't realize that.
1: Yeah, I think what I find interesting in the selfie pictures is that so many times I've taken a picture of myself and in. I thought I've looked the great, best, like super awesome, super flattering picture. You know, um, sexy everything, and send it to a guy I'm I'm talking to, and he wants me to take my shirt off, <laughs> or he wants me to like you know, spread my legs. So it's like there there's so much about looking at these selfie pictures from from the woman's perspective and seeing like she really is like psyched on that picture and she's really proud of like her hair and her stomach and her thighs you know and like more than likely the guides looking at that picture just want more info they want you know the bra off and they want you know other things so
0: which on some level that there's evolutionary biology taking place there like we still on some level are on our like animalistic monkey brains when it comes to sex to a certain Yes point, but because we've evolved and have a different type of consciousness yeah there are we've we've now set in rules and regulations on how we're supposed to act with one another, and there mm-hmm. are those people, those fucking assholes in life who who step out of line from all from both from both men and women right, yeah but I like this idea that we're coming into an era where the sort of um, religious tyranny against uh, the, or the religious war against sexuality is kind of coming to an end. It it seems like it's trying to, and yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And I think it's important for women to be able to express themselves sexually and not have a level of judgment or like even fear. Like it sucks that <clears throat> like to express oneself, and, and you know, I guess we find that in a lot of different ways. You know, if people want to v- yeah. express themselves, there becomes certain. Uh, consequences sometimes mm-hmm. be it whether that's right or wrong or just the natural way things work is the work are you trying to confront some of those things or do you feel like you? you yeah know- i
1: definitely i definitely want to be able to talk about sexuality where i never was able to really do that before um you know i grew up pretty with them with my mom and my two sisters so like being a A sexual woman was never something that was like openly talked about.
0: That's funny you bring that up because I grew up in the all almost all women house. You know, I was raised by my grandmother and my mom and my sister, so I I kind of feel the same way. Like, although it's a different perspective for you, but like,
1: right? So, like, masturbation and like you know, make like the whole idea of like that that men should be pleasing you as well. There's like this whole conversation. that was never had with me where, you know, men tend to go into sex for their pleasure.
0: Yeah, that's whereas, a good like, point.
1: You know, women tend to go into sex to please. And there but is something...
0: On I the mean, other... Sorry to interrupt. Uh, on the other hand is, do I find it seems sometimes women actually find pleasure by pleasing um, others yeah. as well.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Which I think men do that as well. But maybe it's, it's not... Like, As
1: balanced.
0: yeah, or even like maybe men don't even feel comfortable with themselves enough to to express that. Like, to, sure,
1: like they have to finish to feel like real men or something. Like yeah,
0: that. or to like take on that role of masculinity, like a a a, a lack of sensitivity. Maybe it's yeah. there, but are are unable to sort of attach themselves to it, or or even recognize it,
1: right? Yeah,
0: and I think a lot of that Puritanism—that's the, was the word I was looking for—that okay. whole time. But like, I, maybe there's still attachments to that as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Like a Puritan, a pure. Purita, a Pur, now I can't even say it. I got Puritan. high. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't smoked weed in like four days, and producer Lex brought over some some bong <laughs> I got all fucked up. So is um is a sort of natural step from there? Even is uh the the voyeurism aspect. Mm-hmm which becomes a sort of another part of the sexuality experience it seems like a lot of the work has that voyeuristic like you're maybe you weren't the person that was supposed to get the selfie but you yeah. now you have it because you're looking at the image it's almost like like theoretically, some of these images could be you or like people that you know uh, mm-hmm. in somebody's mind, and they there's almost like a naughtiness to that. Do you have is that a part of the work for you at all too?
1: Um, you know, I've always not as far as like naughtiness, but I think I've always just sort of been fascinated by how images just show up or surface you know sort of like this, the sharing of that. Um, in more of like an internet sensation kind of way, like you know, I'm you know, there's all those um, Tumblrs where boys collect girls naked pictures and then just post them, and yeah. that's like the that's the point. And then there's you know, I grew up sort of in like the hardcore music community, and there's message boards where they'd all just post, all the guys would just post, you know, naked pictures of girls and sort of, you know bash them or sort of you know talk badly about them so i think it's more of like the idea that my pictures could end up on these places but luckily they've never have so
0: as far as you know huh?
1: as far as i know yes
0: (laughs) i know there's so much out there it's and to think about it like you know like things that people did in like the early part of the internet before Mm -hmm. they realized that The internet was going to be a vast library of everything that's ever happened, but I think that idea is kind of interesting too, in terms of social media, like Mm -hmm. and not like not having actual interactions with people. There is a like a level of non-sexual voyeurism to to even that type of existence, you know, because you're like watching people's intimate details without really even knowing them. I mean, like for instance, um, Kathy Grayson, she runs the Whole Gallery in New York. Okay. She did a blog. She does a blog um, art from behind. But before okay. that, it was just like her MySpace blog that she did. Okay. And there was like like I, I followed it for like four years or three years or so, however long she's doing it. And at some point, I saw her at a museum show, and I was like, I know so much about this person, right? Yeah, but I don't know them at all, and it feels very awkward to even go over and start a conversation. Just based on the fact that, like, I know who her last two boyfriends were and have seen them all naked or whatever, you know, right. like there was a a disconnect there that is a, a very. It's, I guess it's not really a problem, but it's kind of like a modern issue in that yeah. in these social interactions.
1: Yeah, and I think like now with Instagram too, it's like when you when you meet someone you you're sort of friends with on Instagram in person. You kind of have this like mutual understanding that, oh, you know, all of these, th- all of this information and it is kind of a comfort, you know, you don't really have to like go back and rehash everything. Uh-huh. So um, there is that, but sort of the whole idea of like really connecting with people is sharing that time and so much of our interaction has no time together. So
0: I've been feeling that a lot lately. Like I just watched, um, I just watched the big chill. Last night uh-huh. for the first time, have you seen that movie?
1: I don't know I don't it's, think. It's
0: old, it's from the 80s. It had um okay. uh Glenn Close, uh a bunch of uh ah, I'm terrible at actor names, but okay. uh it's a movie about uh, a group of friends that were like in high school or whatever, were good friends like a group, then they went their separate ways as they got older and one of them dies. Uh, one okay. of them actually commits suicide and they all come back for the funeral and have like this weekend together and i was like i was watching it and realizing obviously it was filmed in the 80s and like i leaned over and i I told uh my wife i said uh there was no cell phones when this was made you Mm -hmm. know like social media did not exist and you could see you could almost sense it in even though it was a film obviously but you you could tell that it had realness to it in the way right. that like a group of people sat around a table and had a conversation like yeah. over dinner or like you know at you know just sitting in the living room like i al- I, I have a sense that i i'm missing that now as somebody <laughs> who uh i'm 34 so like i i had a good chunk of life without the internet or any of yeah. those things you know so like i feel like there's a definitely a missed co- human connection there but even yeah. though that's you know nothing stays the same it's true <laughs> at some point we're probably just going to be sending uh subliminal messages to each other via our mind you know or psychic I, messages
1: i know who knows what's going to happen or or maybe it'll all just like dissolve and we'll go back to the way it was or something like that yeah
0: like all the way back to being monkeys again or, yeah or yeah. cave folk yeah, that's that's very well a possibility. Have you seen that mm-hmm. th- that meme that's going around of like the length of time for like each person, like what actual time looks like? Like no. there's this weird graph chart that's going around. Mm-hmm. Like you'll see it on okay. social medias, and it's like a lit- it'll show. It's I think it starts off like for this is how long the internet's been around, and then there's another bar like this is what it was like to be a thirty year old in the 80s or whatever, mm-hmm. and it, but it stretches all the way back to, like, the beginning of time, and it keeps showing you just, like, how minute a blip our our time here is. Yes. And it's making everybody uncomfortable, really. Okay. Which is fine with me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm down for making people uncomfortable, but it's kind of, like, it's kind of comforting to know that, you know, it is such a short period of time, and we don't put, we don't make that much of an impact on things, but...
0: Do uh, do you ever feel judged by people? By you know, you just mentioned like making people feel uncomfortable. Like I, th- I feel like maybe some of these images in a particular like environment or setting could co- possibly make somebody feel uncomfortable. Is that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I have heard you know this stuff is shocking, or especially with people who work in the same medium. Um, older weavers or um australian weavers there's a big you know they don't like my content but rarely with like the art community do people say that my stuff is like weird or uncomfortable so i don't
0: know does some of that come from i guess you mentioned the coming up in like the hardcore community like Mm -hmm. that sort of punk ethic do you is that some of that like just saying fuck you to what the norm is
1: Yeah, I guess so, and also just like really being, as I grow up and as I like, sort of accept the person I am and like the sexuality that I have, um, it's kind of like this is it, and I'm a lot more comfortable in my own skin and with what I'm making. So, um, you know, there's been situations where I worry about like the cum pieces or like you know the really like the straight on, you know, full frontal pieces, but. It's rare that I feel like I need to censor my stuff. So.
0: Yeah, it's good. It seems like we're coming to a level of honesty. We're we're hmm. being honest is okay. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, it's it, I think everybody's still just as judgmental. Right. Uh, but it seems like there's been enough like honesty put out into the world that like a lot like for instance, uh I just watched the movie Choke. Have you seen that? Okay. Yes very good. And so I thought like, well look, here's this this idea where people are showing sexual behaviors that would make or you know, even addictive personality. Like mm-hmm. here's an a a story that's being put out that shows what is, it might really be like for somebody with a, a particular like a sexual addiction in this instance mm-hmm. or, you know, a drug addiction or an alcoholism like Right there's a level that we're now knowing that we're not quite alone. Like all the information that gets out there, as much as it separates us, it really actually lets us know on some level that we're not the only ones that are fucking freaks and weirdos, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, I think on my block, we were like the weird house. And that was always like, well, you know, like that's fine. You know, I just sort of like came to that, you know, acceptance. And, you know, with, you know family members who deal with like drugs and stuff it's always like well you might as dealing with it is way more productive than not dealing with it so i've always just from a young age like dealt with the hard stuff so so
0: like like confronting it you mean like yeah yeah, yeah. which i think again that's part of the like puritanism of this country like almost pretending like certain things aren't real as right. a way to protect yourself from them
1: yeah like you know Mommy and Daddy don't fight, and, you know, like, our family's perfect and all Uh that stuff, but, like, it was always pretty obvious that our family was, like, a little bit strange, so.
0: Do you feel like that sets you up to be uh, an artist type?
1: Yeah, I think either I would have gone down the, like, young single mom trashy girl or, um, you know, very independent, like super on a mission to complete things. So I felt and like that's what I'm doing
0: now. I mentioned that last night that I was talking about that movie, uh, choke. <laughs> and I was, I said it's a really good thing that I found art because otherwise yeah. I probably would have been a serious, serious mess.
1: Yeah. I mean, in high school, you know, I don't know if I would have even survived high school if I didn't find art and like have a really great art program in my high school. So, you know, and the idea of like going to art college and leaving where I was from was like this amazing concept that like helped me deal with getting out of there <laughs> so.
0: which i I have a tendency to almost have a certain level of um like I feel sorry for people who don't have those outlets. I feel yeah. like that's one of our major issues in society is for all these people who build up these stresses or have you know even like uh like post traumatic type stress issues. Yeah. And they, there's no outlet. There's very few outlets if you don't have, a, like, a regular hobby, you know, if you don't, like, exercise or have something to alleviate those sort of tensions in our body. Right. And artists, as fucked up as they are, are lucky enough to have at least a little bit of an outlet where there's that calm in making things for some mm-hmm. reason. That's really, it's kind of unexplainable. Like, I, you know, a lot of people, I'm sure, like, if... I think that's where a lot of addiction comes from, too, is not yeah. having those outlets and just wanting to, especially alcoholism. Yeah. Like, just the total escape from all the bullshit. But it's it's weird how, like, the process of making things allows you to be in the moment. And I'm sure, like, with your work, it's very much that because you, you yeah. got to stay organized of what you're doing, your movements and that sort of thing. Is those, are those moments, do you find comfort in that, like, solitude in working?
1: I do, and I, um, you know, last summer I was, like, living in my studio and working all the time, and it did get a little crazy, but, um, like, I definitely love, you know, like, those 12-hour days of just, like, working and, you know, not really communicating with anybody and just, like... Yeah, it is sort of like a meditation kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it's weird. Like, I don't know that. And even I think sometimes people work and don't even realize it. Like those times where just everything goes away. Mm -hmm. It seems like it's really important. It's at least I know it's important to me. So I just project it that it's important for everybody else. But I got to assume like, like I said, we still have these stupid monkey brains that have all this Mm -hmm. built up aggression and tension that when we're in a society that's fairly puritanism there that's not even the word you can't even use it like that damn it puritanical puritanical yes so i think um let's uh you got some shows up now right i I thought you were a seattle artist because you just showed in seattle oh yeah do you have a piece up
1: i have um three pieces up at this gallery called brian ono in seattle it's a group show it's all women um sort of about how do you feel hold on
0: hold on how do you feel about that doing all women shows
1: you know it's cool because i don't think i've this is the first one i've ever had okay but you know there is that whole like girl power thing which is great but i don't you know i don't think it's totally necessary for showing nude work but um it is you know a sort of and it is such a different – we all have different perspectives just because we're women. But
0: Speaking on that, what do you think about – since I'm talking about movies a lot this episode, okay. I have this new fascination with film all of a sudden. Like just this last year, I just did okay. a post on Twitter saying how I think uh, film is a much more proficient storytelling method than <laughs> painting. Because I always want to tell a story with painting, but yeah. it's like you can only tell like a certain minute, like a moment, or you can only like express emotion. But what yeah. was, I, now, see, I now I forget what I was going to talk about there. Yeah, I brought up the movie for some reason. I don't remember. Some oh, okay, movie. no, yeah, that's right. So I okay. was thinking, um, the dichotomy of how it's mostly okay to show women nude in film, but as soon as, mm-hmm. but penises are always blocked. Yeah. What do you think that's about? Do you think that has something to do with what we've been talking about?
1: I think um, there is this like. You know, I think it is sort of a, a bias as far as penises. And they do seem more aggressive.
0: Penises seem more aggressive? Yeah. Then? Yeah. yeah
1: don't, I mean, you know, they are like the, the thing that, you know,
0: I don't know. Well, I, th- th- I think that's a good point, though, because right. I, I've talked about this, how sex is almost semi-violent. Like there's a a level of, it's not, and you know, like lots of girls like to get their hair pulled and their asses spanked and that sort of shit. And there's a level of violence to that that I don't Mm -hmm. think we talk about very much.
1: Yeah. There's definitely been, you know, in college, I definitely remember like guys, you know, doing the choking thing and also doing like the really hard biting thing and just sort of thinking that that was totally normal and me having to be like, well, like, there has to be some sort of conversation around this kind of thing because just because your last girlfriend wanted to pass out yeah. doesn't mean that I do, you know? And so, and, you know, I think if I was a little bit more um, reserved person, I would have freaked out on them and I would have felt very violated. But because I trusted them and I because I could have been, like, had a conversation about it, it wasn't so... Um, you know insulting for them to to go there
0: yeah that's so, i think that's a good point like being able to be able to confront something to be able yeah. to have that conversation as opposed to feeling so maybe i'm going to use the word insecure which may not be the right word to use but
1: yeah i mean i do think you know the whole idea of like choosing your partners wisely and it is very important because i mean obviously there's going to be situations where you don't feel comfortable Saying something to a man, and I can totally understand that. But um, and vice versa, right? Yeah, sure. But you know, you should be able to. If you're sleeping with somebody, you should be able to have a conversation. Um, as far as like, I don't want to pass out, or let's have a safe word, or you know, all that sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah,
0: yeah aggressive penises. That might be the yeah. title of the show. Aggressive well,
1: I mean, penises. like you know, I've received pictures from men and so much of those pictures are just their penis it's just their boner and it's like it's very rarely like a sex and i don't think that's sexual
0: see that's what i was talking about before how men don't know the same men are having a sexual conversation or women men are perceiving a sexual conversation from women men are thinking they're having a sexual conversation with women and the reality is is there's a a, like a filter in between that this the it's like telephone like the message is changing in the middle and when it gets to the other side it's not the same message
1: yeah I think it's more of like a tact or like a um like a warming up that men forget about with women it's like you know rather than sending them a picture that's like your penis shoved into the camera that maybe you should like send a picture of yourself first or you know sort of like talk about things or i don't know there's like a a text message foreplay that needs to go on but this
0: this is public service announcement for all the young men out there that are listening don't just send a dick pic right away
1: who's waking up with you know penises on their phone it's like we don't want to see that all the time
0: what an ordeal nobody (laughs) i never wake up to penises on my phone never
1: it's been a while it's been a while i have to say but vaginas either
0: nobody sends me naked pictures ever oh but I've been in a relationship for a long time. So it's probably Mm -hmm. most, it's probably better that way. I think
1: it's probably better. Yeah. Yeah, Most most
0: definitely. All right, cool. Well, let's, um, let's, let's plug your stuff so that people can go check out your site and, um, whatever stuff you have coming up. I know you seem this year is really busy for you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I have the show in Seattle and I have a show in Philly right now that goes up till October 12th and it's at paradigm gallery. And I have a, few pieces in the University of Arizona, in Tucson, um, in this group show with Ben Venom and Greg LaMarche. Um, I mean, Ben's going to do the t-
0: show th- this month. He'll be on the podcast. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then I have... He's uh, another one of
0: those guys that's doing something totally different. Like Yes.
1: Yeah, he's getting a lot of credit. I mean, he's, and he's such a good sewer. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I've talked to him in his studio just about sewing machines And he is matched with many of the women uh, that I've talked to about sewing machines. So um, he's really skilled with that, with that thing. Um, And let's see. Yeah, I have a couple group shows coming up and then a show show in Wisconsin at um, another college where I'm going to be heading out to do like some weaving demos and a lecture.
0: Is doing stuff in the collegiate environment important for you?
1: I think it's cool because generally they're supportive as far as, like, funding and travel. Um, I also really like talking to college students and sharing my work because they, they're they a lot of the time who I'm making, you know? Like, a lot of the women in my work are college age. Yeah. Um, and so...
0: Is it a survival it, thing, too? Do you feel like you're also trying to keep the, the medium alive? Do you feel responsibility?
1: I don't... Um. You know, I go back and forth with fun, with with wanting to be up with weaving, but it's also just sort of like a um, um, like a conduit for my images. Like, um,
0: for instance, would you feel stoked or like bummed if, like, all of a sudden, like, a movement of weavers started like making fine art with weaving? Do you feel like they would just be biting you, or do, would you feel stoked that like it's like moving on from a, a new perspective?
1: yeah i think it. um i think it would be awesome you, you know ever, i think
0: i want you to say stoked i feel like you've probably never used the word stoked
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think um weaving is great and i think when you are into it you're into it and so the more people who do it it's cool i'm not trying to be the only one so
0: okay good share for everybody yeah yeah all right cool well um Again, I want to thank you for taking the time to shoot the shit with me. It was awesome talking with mm-hmm. you and uh, getting to know you digitally a little more than just Instagram and Twitter.
1: Yes, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right, let's do internet depth. Give me a little. Okay. Bam. Wait,
1: where is it?
2: Okay. Boom. <laughs> okay. All right,
0: Aaron. Thank you again. Have a great day. Okay.
2: Okay. You too. Right. See ya. Bye. Bye. Oh, you must answer my questions, nine. Sing ninety-nine and ninety. for you're not God, you're one of mine. And you are the weaver's bonnie. What is whiter than the mill? Sing ninety-nine and ninety. And what is softer than the silk? And you are the weaver's bonnie. Snow is whiter than the mill. Sing ninety-nine and ninety And down is softer than the silk And I am the weaver's bonnie Oh, what is higher than a tree? Sing ninety-nine and ninety And what is deeper than the sea? And you are the weaver's bonnie Heaven's higher than a tree Sing ninety nine and ninety and hell is deeper than the sea and I am the weaver's bunny. What is louder than a horn? Sing ninety nine and ninety And what is sharper than a thorn? And you are the weaver's bunny Thunder's louder than a horn. Sing ninety-nine and ninety, and death is sharper than a thorn. And I am the weaver's bonnie, what's more innocent than a lamb? Sing ninety-nine and ninety, and what is meaner than womankind? And you are the weaver's bonnie, a babe's more innocent than a lamb. Sing ninety-nine and ninety, and the devil is meaner than womankind, and I am the weaver's bonnie. Oh, you have answered my questions nine. Sing ninety-nine and ninety, and you were God, you were none of mine, and you were the weaver's bonnie. I learned that from Alfred. That's an old English ballad. That dates back about 40 years before Columbus, I think.